This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Talking Devils. My name is Dave Murphy, your host. Um, I'm joined this week by legendary Manchester United winger, FA Cup winner, Mr. Gordon Hill, drinking a big glass of wine there. Or oh, is it Roy Bina? It is Roy Bina, David. And good morning, Wayne. And good morning, David. Yes, it's uh, Roy Bina. I'm getting ready to do my coaching sessions today so I can take it out on the players. And you can build up on your build up on your vitamin C. I'm here with a good old traditional cup of Irish tea that I get sent over. So I know you're on the same uh, time zone as me, Gordon. So I was a little bit concerned that it was a pint of wine at ten o'clock in the morning. But glad no, to see you dry beer. No, no, no. It, football may have driven me close, but not <laughs> not, not that at ten o'clock in the morning. You know, I, <laughs> I get busy looking at it. <laughs> Maybe this week though. Um, also joining us this week is uh, Manchester United order, uh, Mr. Wayne Barton, someone that is uh, is uh, well connected within the world of Manchester United. So we wanted to get him onto this. Uh, wanted to get him onto this podcast with Gordon just to go over what you know what an absolute mess we uh, seem to have found ourselves in again at Manchester United. <laughs> Seems to be a common theme over the past eight years or so uh, since Sir Alex retired. And David Gill left the club as well. Um, so I'm going to get right into it straight away. Um, overnight, uh, as, as myself and Gordon were catching up on our beauty sleep, Manchester United announced that they have departed ways with the legendary Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, as usual, we, we've stumbled into this with, with looks like no plan. Um, it's also been announced that Michael Carrick and Darren Fletcher will will take charge. Will be interim managers until we find an interim manager for the interim manager, um, which is just it's it's like a scene from the U.S. office. Uh, it's comical. It's it's depressing. Wayne, I'm going to come to you first. I, I don't even know what question to start with because there's a million questions out there. But maybe I'll just start with how do you see this shit show rolling on? Oh, Dave, there's so many things I'm unhappy with. And last night, me and Gordon did a show reacting to the news that was breaking that he was going to lose the job. And I think the general consensus was, you know, yeah, the time has come. The time's been there for a couple of weeks. We've sort of felt it coming. But honestly, I mean, today, I just, I'm smiling, but I'm absolutely devastated. I don't really know where to begin, but I'm going to go on a bit of a rant to start off with. And I'm, I'm sorry, guys, but, you know, They've had four weeks to make a plan since Liverpool. So they 
either haven't found the right man or the right man's not coming in until the summer. Or they don't want to pay mid-season to get someone out of the contract and they don't want to do it before January because that'll mean there's more money to be spent in the transfer window. They not only don't have a successor anywhere planned in their strategy, they don't have an interim successor planned anywhere in the strategy. Not only is that the case, but they told this to the entire world at the same time they announced they were sacking the manager, who is a club legend. So they've said, we don't have a plan. We don't know what the plan's going to be. But what, what our immediate action is, is that we're going to go forward without a football manager. And they even said in the statement that it's without, with reluctance that he was going. Now, not only is all that the case, but the entire coaching staff has been left in place. Because, you know, not having staff, that would be incompetent. So the entire structure remains as it is from the top to the bottom of the club. That's the Glazers holding Solskjaer accountable when there are so many other issues. I can't begin, I really can't begin to tell you how appalled I am. As I am so heartbroken as a United fan that this is what, what we've experienced today. And then 10, 10 minutes ago, before we come on air, the news is released that they made him do an interview on club media. And I've watched it and I'm good, heartbroken all over again. Yes, I know he will have wanted to do it because he's a class act. But the club have got to step in somewhere. Just issue a statement from him. Issue the video at a later date. Don't do it today. He had tears in his eyes. You could tell that he's been crying. And it's gutting to watch that as a United fan. And they're using it as an engagement. They're kicking him when he's down. They're leaving the comments on, on the videos, on the tweets, knowing the dog's abuse is likely to get just so that they can boast about the interaction that they got that on that tweet on the next quarterly earnings call. It's disgusting. It's obscene. I'm utterly, utterly bewildered by what I've experienced today. It's one of the worst days I've ever experienced as a Manchester United fan. It's worse than any result that I've ever watched. Worse than any game, any performance. This conduct today, I'm so devastated. It's one of the worst days I've ever experienced as a United fan. I'm so gutted, Dave, and I wanted to put that rant in to kick off because I, I don't. I have to be completely honest and completely blunt about it. I'm, it, I'm. It's just so bad, and I, you know, I'm getting upset thinking about it. But I just leave it to you guys now. But I just wanted to say my piece. <clears throat> well, I mean, I want I want to hit on the point about the video. Um, I, I mean, I thought things were. I thought I thought things were bad up until this morning, and and how we dragged this out. Uh, I mean, I'm a massive, massive Solskjaer fan, be, be it a player or a man or a manager. I wanted him to succeed more than anyone. I loved the guy. He gave me the greatest night of my footballing life back in 99 at the new camp. He's always been a legend in this club. Now, you can't separate the player from the manager, but it does, it, it does, at points, it does have to cross over. What they did today with that video was nothing short of shameful and embarrassing. Absolutely shameful. To, to get them to do an interview right after being sacked is, is, is just their way of trying to protect themselves against the fans because they, it made it look like, and, and we're not dumb, it made it look like that Ollie was leaving on his own accord and, and that they had, no, they had no plan. The fact that they have no plan, I think, 
contributed to the decision to make him do that video. I don't believe for one minute he wanted to do that video. I think it was just it was forced upon him, and he did it because that's just the way he is. Gordon, um, a lot of strong words from Wayne there, and then obviously you and I obviously seen the video this morning uh, with with Ollie saying that you know. Sorry, Dave, I haven't seen the video. So basically, the video is just is just him, you know, saying it's 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 nonsense. I mean, Gordon, you were a manager, you know, of, of many clubs, and if if you had just even left with you know mutual agreement, and the club came to you and said, "Hey, do you want to do a video, Gordon?" I mean, what would your reaction be to that? Um, sorry, no, no thanks. thanks. We can beep, we can beep all your words there. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't even swear about it. I wouldn't even lower myself to that level. I mean, if someone said you're going to do the only thing I can suggest is that they, they've got things they hold against managers, like their severance pay, and you might not get it, and all this, which we don't know about. We can't speculate because we don't know what the situation is with it. So, you know, they're, 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 they're covering their asses, number one, right? Number number two. Number two is is that They've got these interim managers, so-called bits and pieces, when the coaching staff should go. I, I thought about it. I've looked at it. I've, I've looked at what their backgrounds are. Because don't forget, I'm a professional coach. I've looked at their profession. I looked at what they've given the game and nothing but relegation. Now, if you're going to employ people like that, even though, and we've stated it, and I'll state it, even though I'm, you know much older than them, is that just because she was a good player or a great player doesn't mean to say you're going to be a great manager. And we've seen this on so many cases, in so many cases, that the people that you don't really expect come through and do very well. Players that haven't played, people that haven't played the game have come in. But it's very, very shameful for somebody to like put it on to somebody like Ollie. The problem being with Ollie is he's Mr. Nice Guy. The bottom that's the bottom line. He 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 it's it's strange. They give him all the tools to make it successful. So on that part, we can't argue that point. They give him all the tools. He's got one of the best top clubs in the world. It's certainly much bigger than Mold or Cardiff City. But what it comes down to, was he able to manage the players, the international, the top so-called so-called stars that he's got. And it comes down to, and I spoke to Rob Wayne about it last night, he's their friend and not their boss. He doesn't know when to turn off from being that player friend to being that manager and being very, very vicious and callous. And to me, this, you know, this doesn't surprise me. This, this, you know, you know, supporters are going to be upset. Supporters are going to be jumping for joy. But who's to guarantee the next person comes in doesn't do the same? You know, and when, where do you say? You, you I'd just like to know the next person is going to be. That's the thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if they did, if they did said this morning. Yeah, but it doesn't matter who comes in, Wayne. It's, it's nobody. That's yeah, what it doesn't problem. matter what you say, what I say, what Dave says. The per next person that comes in is going to have their blessing. And so they're going to be given another shed full of money to try and get it. 
this is a case of trying to buy your way to success. And we know you can't buy your success. You can't buy success. It comes from being developed. It comes from, from, from people that have been there, seen it, done it, and passing their experience on to younger players that are, that are trying and able to be able to produce the type of football that this top club has served and done and delivered. We, we, can't, we, we can't turn back the clocks. I'm not turning back the clock. I'm looking forward to saying, well, okay, fine. If, like I said yesterday, if we start putting results together with a new guy, everybody's going to be hunky-dory. Everybody's going to be happy as a pig in muck. What's hurting it is the results, Wayne. Nothing more. Results. Results tell you if you're going to get the sacks. Results tell you if you're going to be patted on the back. The results tell you if you're going to get a knife in your back and you don't know it. We've seen it in football so many times. You can win the FA Cup like Chelsea did and the manager gets the sack three weeks later. It's not our choice. We can sit here talking and being heartbroken. But basically, Man United is not a supporters club anymore. It's the Glaziers club. And, and, and we can say what we like. And, but I keep telling it, it's we can't have a go. It's the blind leading the blind. Can I, I just want to, I'm, I'm with you, Gordon. I am. And I think what, what is we spoke last night, mm-hmm. I thought, I know Dave will want to get his point in on this because I know that you haven't really done that so far on this. But it's not so much, I mean, I've, I've accepted that the change of manager was due, it was coming. And we, like the reasons for why I understand that, I just think there are ways and means about going about it. And I just think they have no succession plan. And not only do they not have one, I mean, they're used to lying to us. Lie to us and say that you've got one. Don't put out a statement admitting to the world that you don't have one. We haven't got one. It's embarrassing. It's it's embarrassing for them and it's embarrassing for us. There has nothing been on the drawing board for months, Wade. Yeah. It's it's what it's been is, well, he may get us out of it. He may get us out of it. He may. But the bottom line is, and I don't think people understand, it's all about results. And- oh, it's, it's definitely a results-driven business. I think we all know that. But I, I just wanted to chime in here a little bit and 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 just make you know make make my own assessment of all this and get get your opinion on it, uh, Gordon and Wayne. Um, I, I think we all know. I think we can all agree on this on on this uh, on this call that that Ollie was just wasn't up to the job. He wasn't up to the task. Gordon, you had mentioned earlier on that. He was given all the tools that he wanted by the defensive midfield. Oh. He was. He was given a very, very good team. We all can see that. Um, I personally believe he he hit a brick wall. Um, I think the players that he has now need a different coach to actually coach them at that level. Now, that said, um, I think, you know, and we've known this for a while now, and I think we've all had this, you know, hope that that he would turn things around. But I think it's very obvious. And I said this in the summer when he got to Sancho and the Verani and 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 Ronaldo. I thought, okay, there is no more excuses now. He has to go and win something. Some of his decisions, some of his selections have baffled me throughout the year. They really have. So his his persistence with Fred, his persistence at home with Fred and McTominay has baffled me. I think we can all agree, and most Manchester United fans will agree, he's not at a level to coach these players. I, I'm 100% behind that. But here's where here's where I, I just I'm baffled and I don't understand. Um, there is no succession plan. 
You know, four weeks ago, we got absolutely smashed by Liverpool 5 now. That's when the succession plan comes in. And what I said at the time was, and me and Wayne talked about this, and I talked to former Manchester United uh, centre-back Scott Wooten about this on numerous occasions, is that if we're going to sack Solskjaer, which, which we knew was coming, we need to be able to make a good plan. And, and for me, that plan was, if we have to wait until the summer to get someone like Ten Hag or Luis Enrique, or someone that we feel will take this club forward. That's what we should do. But what they've actually done is, is they've made a mockery of even that. They've come out and they say, we're going to put someone in place now till we find someone to put in place until the summer. And that, that just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's a shambles. You know, there's, there's League of Ireland teams that are better set up than this, and they're part-time. They work in, you know, Woodies and Tesco's throughout the week. It's, it's mind-blowing that a club as big as Manchester United, which people can argue is the biggest in the world, have no plan after what has been coming for four weeks. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Gordon, I want to jump on to, the, to, to that plan. Yeah. Like you said, you're a, you're a professional coach. You've been a professional manager for many years. Your head's on the chopping block, okay? Are you expecting you to just go? Are you expecting your whole team to go? Because the problem is not just the manager. The problem is the team, the whole setup, the coaching okay. staff. It's an easy scenario to explain. Do you shoot the horse or change the jockey? It's as simple as that. He's well, at the moment, we have a three-legged horse, so I'm shooting the horse. Exactly. So do you shoot the horse? You can't shoot the thoroughbred, but you, you change the jockey. You have to change the jockey. It's like management if you're not succeeding. And I was at a very low level with Chester City where no money, no chance of getting players in, no chance of players going out, players on very good contracts, and you're trying to get a winning team out of it and trying to get the players to play for you. How can you do that? That That is something that is like, you, that is not a brick wall. That is like going into space and not having a spaceship. Because you just you just have not the faintest idea. You just, What do you do? You can't rely on your football ability because your football knowledge and your ability and all your training doesn't come into play. Uh, you can't put it into play because... I can't tell if you're going to play for me, Dave, or if Wayne's going to turn it on for me because Wayne's been at the club and you've been at the club, but I come in and all of a sudden you don't want to play for me. But you're on such good wages that you're, not, you're, idiot. Yeah. you're not moving. So now you, you say, well, OK, I've got 24 players like United. I have number one. My number one plan would have been if I'd have been in this situation... I'd have got my starting 11 worked out with the with the previous. I'd have got my previous um, uh, 11. I'd have put them together and I'd have put everybody else around to look. But that starting 11, you have to have consistency in your team picking to get the quality, to get the consistency you want in this top league. Now, the old verbiage of, well, you're going to have a team for Europe. You're going to have a team for the league. You're going to have a team for the FA Cup. When, when does it stop? When does it? You look at Man City, and they can pretty well make. They can pretty well name the same side. Yeah. But they've got fantastic players around them. 
that can drop into it. That's what I would have done that. I would have got the strongest squad and that would have been done during your training sessions, looking at them, putting down what you need, putting new things into operation, working with the new techniques that everything, everything has, you know, making players much quicker, their first touch much quicker. All these elements of coaching and being that would have gone into making that team elite. Then you look to see what you want to add to, what you want to bring in. You don't just buy a player because he's up for sale. He's an expensive player. He has to fit in to that to, the, to your mentality, your, your playing. He has to fit into that. If he doesn't fit into that, then you, you don't buy him. What we've done is we've got players that, okay, let's fit a system around them. And they've, fit, and they've gone in. And, and games, to me, they've looked, they're playing as individuals. They're not playing as a team. They're playing individuals. And, and, that, that's, and, and that's a great point, Gordon. I'm sorry to cut across, but I have a question right. for both of you. Um, I'm under the belief, and I'll argue this with anyone, that we have one of the best squads in the Premier League. You know, player for player, man for man. We do. One of the top talented squads, David. Yep. And this is going to be my question. My question yeah. is, and I'll start with you, Wayne. Uh, my question is, we seem to be in the same position that Chelsea were last year with Frank Lampard, in that they had a very, very good squad and they had a manager that just wasn't able to manage world-class players. They brought in Tuchel, and we know what happened there. They're flying in the league. They won the Champions League. My question to you is, we're all disappointed that Oli was 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 released of his duties, but we all know, I personally feel he wasn't up to it at this point. I think he's just got to a point where he just can't get that team over the line. That's why I think that it, it's very similar to Chelsea and what they went through last year. I'm going to ask both of you the same question. I'll start with you, Wayne. If we do get in a you know a, a manager of the ability of someone like Tuchel, are, are we challenging next season? Do you do you see this team being good enough, and it's just a good coach away from being challenging it for the Premier League and the Champions League? This exact squad. Yes. No, because the midfield is way too poor. It can't, it's not proactive enough to challenge for a title. That's the problem all along. We've all known that. I mean, I'm not saying like. It might just be one midfielder away who can make McTominay or Fred or Matic better or Pog Van der Beek better. Van der Beek looked pretty good yesterday. Um, but as it is, that the midfield's nowhere near good enough. And you've got the doubts over the left-hand side of that defence now, which is and, and the right-hand side as well. All of the defenders apart from Varane really are up for question at the moment. Um, so, yeah, no, no, it's not good enough to challenge for the league. But we knew that before... Um, before Ronaldo signed, and that's why this season we weren't really expecting. I mean, Ronaldo, as we said, we've said numerous times on this podcast, he moved the needle, uh, the level of expectation, and that's fine. That's the sword that Solskjaer's lived or died on, and you know he's, he's gone, he's gone, um, and that's the expectation. The expectation rose; he was expected to challenge. Um, the, the squad aren't good enough, Dave. Um, the defenders aren't. Um, Maguire's not good enough. Luke Shaw, I don't know. Something tells me he's still got something in him. Wan-Bissaka's got good defensive qualities, but the confidence is on the floor at the moment. I just think Maguire's not good. He's not a strong enough captain. Uh, he may well be with a good partnership with uh, built with Varane. Um, the question is, can a better manager make those players better? Yeah, I think that that's also fair. But I, I thought that the ceiling from that squad was second 
I don't know what level of second they could be better under a different manager. Um, they could be closer to City. I can't see them being better than City or better than Liverpool um, because I think they've got better teams. Chelsea probably a better team as well. Um, I, I do think it's fair to say because Solskjaer, as, as we've said, Gordon said it last night, you've said it there, I've said it before, Solskjaer's inexperience and his um, faith in players that aren't good enough has done for him. We can all see that. He, he made a lot of erratic selections and erratic substitutions towards the end, gambling on players, bringing on Sancho and Van der Beek at the end of that Atalanta game. You know, So he's, he was obviously losing control of it a little bit there. Um, I mean, what, what's the ceiling for who comes in? I mean, another manager, if they bring in a midfielder, then I could say that complexion changes and, of course, that they could challenge. But the... It's not so much about this. Was the big thing that I had a problem with Mourinho's dismissal, and the big thing that I had now, and I was saying it all summer, and I was saying it all summer 2018 that the challenge isn't about being as good as Manchester City or as good as Liverpool. It is in a way Liverpool. It's following that model, but following what Fergie did when Chelsea were better than us. Don't match a team that are better than you. Look to accumulate the points against all the other teams. United had that within their grasp. They could have done that. They could have done it in 2018 when Mourinho finished second. Because that said, well, we can finish above the other teams so we can accumulate those points against the other teams. And that's how we bridge the gap. Didn't do it then. Haven't done it now. And yeah, that's on the managers as well. So yes, theoretically, another manager can come in and bridge that gap and do it. I just don't have the faith that in that squad of players, there's enough to bridge that gap. If you get what I'm saying, the manager, no, no, the manager can come in and do it, but they can only get so much blood out of a stone. And um, that, where, as far as this case with this United squad, second for me is their ceiling. I don't know what how close a second is. I just think it is their ceiling. Gordon, um, just to re recap on the question, uh, my personal belief, Manchester United have a very good squad. I think we're just a good coach away from challenging. Uh, Wayne obviously, uh, you know, is is not a big fan of Fred. He'll get he'll be getting his tattoo removed that he got on his back a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you? How do you see this team? I mean, if we brought in someone like Ten Hag, or, uh, there was a great shout here, uh, Mancini in the in the comment section there, um, Luis Enrique. Is he? Are these managers good enough to get a better song out of these players? Um, it's a good question because obviously they've got different styles and different ways of playing. Uh, their motivation could be completely different. But uh, getting back to Wayne's question, I think that I think there are a certain amount of players in the in the squad that are good enough. I think there are a lot of there are a few of those players that need to be pushed on and given the door and shown. I think you start to rebuild it. I would certainly look at the the youngsters because I think they give you the drive. I think they would give you what you wanted. I think they'll give you a plan. And that plan would be to develop these players into being good players. Fergie took six, seven of the young players and put them into a squad. And we know who those six or seven players were. And then he built it around your Cantonas and, and then your Roy Keane comes from Forest. And uh, so you're looking at a very much a, a, a same situation, so to speak, but not as dire as it is now where you've got veteran players, middle-class players, and players that shouldn't really be looking, that should have been really passed on. They should <laughs> be sorted out, and I've looked at it, and I've sorted out players that I would immediately 
cut guillotine. Bump. Thank you very much. You know, find yourself a club. Thank you, but you're not the standard of what I'm looking at. And it all comes back to being a manager of saying, right, I'm going to be ruthless. I'm going to, I am in there for one thing and one thing only. And I think people forget it. And we were talking with Wayne last night, results. I want results. And the first thing you do is you go and you say, right, if you're, if you think you're in this club because you're a top player, you're wrong. You're in this club because we, we bought you under the hospice of you being a great player. You're not a great player. You've got to prove to me that you can warrant a position in this team. This team, like Wayne said, at this moment, they're not going to win a carrot because they, they might be top, they might be top dogs at, 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 you know, of what, wherever they are, whatever country they play for. That means nothing to me about playing for their country. I am talking about the performance for Man United first. What you do for your club, you get in your country. You get selected for your country. That's the way the game's always gone. But I'm looking at players out there that go through the motions and talk a lot and say a lot and spread it a lot that, well, we might not be good enough and we, we've got to do this. Yeah, they are good enough, but they've got to be led the right way. And I'm talking to Wayne again. And I said to him, the manager that they select has got to be a no-care, ruthless attitude. And I mean, this is what United need, a shake-up call where I don't give a toss about the board. Can I-, I don't give a toss about anybody else. I want results. And I know how to get them on the field. And I've got the personnel to get them on the field. But if I keep shuffling them, Dave, like a pack of cards... I don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah. So the first thing I've got to do as a manager is to find out my best 11, which would take a little bit of time. You can't just instantly go in and say, right, there's a fried egg. You've got to like make sure you prepare. You've got to make sure that it goes out. And this is what people don't understand. That it takes a long time. We look at, for instance, um, Mourinho. Two guys sitting next to him. Still there. Two guys sitting next to Wally. Still there. Are they going for a hat-trick? The next one that comes in, are they going to go for a hat-trick? Because I tell you what, that's a Rolls-Royce, man. United's a Rolls-Royce. And at the moment, they're running mm-hmm. on a mini-engine. Can I just uh, jump in on a point Gordon said there about, um, and you mentioned it earlier, I, I wanted to, you talk about Chelsea and um, the potential for getting similar short-term success and and that sort of control. This is one thing that's really concerned me, and um, people might think I'm defending Mourinho here, but we go back to the summer of 2018 when Mourinho wanted, um, it was widely accepted that he was trying to sell Pogba and Martial, and Woodward stepped in and blocked that because he wanted those players to stay. I think that set a very dangerous precedent I agree with you 100%. 100%. That should have been carried out by Mourinho and not the top people. Exactly. So what you've said there... Through the club, though, Wayne. Yeah, oh, yeah. But what you've done there is you've undermined the manager. You've said the players are more... Absolutely. You've not just undermined the manager. What you've done is you've told those players that the manager really isn't in charge here and that no matter who comes in... 
Yes. He doesn't make those choices. And so so changing the manager, like bringing in like a Louis van Hall, which, you know, Louis van Hall had, the, for me personally, the worst football I've ever seen. Yes. But that said, he came into the club right about now with the same situation we have yeah. now. And he grabbed those players by the balls and he said, you know what? I'm the boss here now. And he completely took over that dressing room. I think Gordon is bang on that we need a similar manager with that attitude as well that's going to come in and go. Like Tuchel did it at Chelsea. He went in there and he took no crap. He dropped players that were playing well but had a shitty attitude in training. And he dropped them and he said, he basically came out and he named them in the press and said, if you want to get into this team, you have to prove to me you want to be in this team. And, you, and where does that start? As I spoke, as a manager, I start on a Monday to a Friday to assess what I'm playing on a Saturday, not a Monday, a Friday player coming in and just turning up and saying, my name is such and such, I demand a position. Nobody, I don't care who they are, demands me to play that player, even if it's Ronaldo. I don't care. You don't play because of your name. You play because your ability at this moment is on some. You're playing well. You deserve that chance. That's where I think Oli didn't have it. I think that he's he was soft. I think he was, like we said, he was the player in the Powers Act, the Player Act, but the managerial side should have been, hey, listen, I'm the boss. If you don't like it, then out. You find yourself a club and I'll be quite happy to let you go. Because once you start... Like Wayne said, if they started that with Mourinho, Mourinho knew for sure that he was losing the reins. Because once you start giving player power and you give the people, the, 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 the top people, what happens is it falls to pieces straight away. Because why am I trying to buy a player that you don't want me to buy? But I know he'll do us a good job. But you asking me to buy somebody, I don't think we should have bought uh, Sancho. I don't think we should have. I look at what he's done. I look at what he's doing. What he's done is he's come to a club and he's really regressed. Some of the players have regressed. Most of the players have regressed. We're looking at games and they're regressing because there's nothing coming from the main state. There's three wise people sitting on that bench and nothing is coming except hands in front of their mouths trying to hide it when it should. Look at Conti. He'd have been on the sidelines. Look at Fergie. He would have been on the sidelines. You look at the doc. He would have been on the sidelines. Atkinson would have been on the sidelines if some. We aren't seeing that. We never saw it. And that that to me demonstrates. You saw yesterday two managers having a go. Arteta, I'd have grabbed him by the throat if he'd have had a go at any of my players. We don't see that. It's well, football's become this. You know this and this. No. Football still football still is football is still I scored more goals than you I got the result. Klopp, you could see it in his face yesterday after the game. He just went yes, turned around and went thanks very much and off. You don't have to be best of mates with the managers. But you Wayne, um, sorry, Gordon. I, I want to just jump in here with Wayne for a second because I want to follow up on something you just said there. Um, Gordon, Gordon hit the nail on the head. You know, as, as a manager, you need to be aggressive and you need to be able to tell them who's the boss. 
If, if you remember, the, I think it was after the Everton game, uh, Ollie came out and said, somebody, we're going to be successful at these at this club and some of these players won't be here for that success. That, to me, you know, gave a signal that Ollie wasn't taking any shit from these players and we're going to start seeing players getting shipped out. We all know why we can't get rid of the likes of Phil Jones and all these players because they're on the salary's too high. That said, Ollie was being very aggressive, as Gordon said. That's what you need to be at a club like Manchester. You need to be very aggressive with these players. But in the past eight to ten months, my personal opinion is that has flipped. Ollie has become he's become very, I believe, very soft on these players. He's he's allowed players to to put in really under par performances. And the tip of the iceberg was Jesse Lingard, Manchester United and Jesse Lingard made these kind of, you know, well, Lingard made a statement through his agent or whoever, the media got it to say that he couldn't, he, they, they weren't going to agree a new deal. Less than two hours later, Jesse Lingard posts a picture of himself in the West Ham jersey to his Instagram, knowing what that would do. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and this is the only stain I have on his, his tenure as Manchester United manager, not only put Jesse Lingard in the squad on, on, uh, on Saturday, he brought him on. Now, that to me was a damning assessment of Oli over the past eight to ten months, and especially in the last couple of months. Why would you allow a player to not only be in your squad, but come on the pitch after that blatant disrespect? Wayne, I'm going to come to you first. I'm going to come to Gordon second. What the hell is that all about? I mean, what has happened to Oli? As Gordon said, need to be aggressive. He was. And all of a sudden, then he turns to putty, and, and the Lingard thing was just the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, Jason makes a good point in the comments about shipping out players in the first summer, and he did. You know, Lukaku, Sanchez, Smalling, Damian. He was fairly ruthless in the first summer. Herrera went on a free transfer. And that's the point I'm making is that initially yeah. he was very, very tough on the players. Yeah. Um, but yeah, completely agree. I, I go back to the earlier point I made about erratic decisions, as as it, obviously the results and performances have got poorer. He's done what happens to every manager when you see them losing control, they make decisions that you you wouldn't expect them to make. Do you know what is he doing that for? That kind of thing. He was gambling. He was he was gambling and the gambles were failing. Um the the Lingard thing I really can't explain. Um the, the selection things like you know Fred and McTominay and everything like that. We said it earlier. I, I think that he he had a, a moment where he just had faith in those players for, for whatever reason when he looked at the alternatives the alternatives, they were tried. Let's not say that they weren't tried, like your Matiches and the Pogba's in the middle. They were tried, and they were tried in big games. And nearly every time, and not even the big games, they were tried in all kinds of different games. And we were getting outplayed by like West Ham at home with Pogba in the middle of the park and stuff like that. So it was getting embarrassing. That's what he, re- he returned to. He went retracted to his pragmatic um, defence and midfield. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not condoning it now I think it was the wrong decision I, I thought it was pragmatic at the time I thought it was a making ends meet kind of thing but we were saying it all along on this podcast and wherever we've talked about it we've always said it he had too much faith in players and it was going to go one of two ways either those players would turn around miraculously and become starting Manchester United legends or Ollie would pay the price because the results wouldn't pick up and that's what's happened the Lingard thing, I can't. I, I really don't know because I feel the same way as you, Dave, on this. I really do. I can tell you the Lingard situation. Well, Lingard goes away from the club, not getting a game. Okay, which is fine. 
Most players will say, listen, I'd rather go out on loan and play regular football than stay at home. That's not a problem. When he went down there, he started to turn around and play his game. This is a player's view. He's gone down there and done very well indeed. Yes, it's not Man United, it's West Ham United. So basically, you're going to go. Nowhere's bigger than Man United. Once you leave Man United, you go down. That's it. End of story. But then what you're going to do then is you're going to go down there. He goes down, has a great, that Moisey's fantastic, fantastic. Comes out with a statement. He's done very well for us, but he's still a Manchester United player. So Ollie says, well, we've still got a chance of keeping him. How can you say that, Ollie, when you know full well that the guy's playing so well down there that you're not going to play him when he comes back or be indecisive about if you are going to play him and, and stir up again? Yes, he's your player. If he's playing well and he's not, not figured in your plans, which told me he never had a plan, then sell him. Sell him. Let him go. Let him play. Take the money. Invest it in somewhere else. And it's the same if you and Dave brought up a good point. You got Martial, sell him. Get rid of him. Sell him. We've not seen anything productive from the guy for four or five years. So sell him. Get what you can. And the new manager, and Ollie's been so indecisive on it, he's overlooked situations where he could have attacked it straight away when 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 Lingard went with that West Ham shirt, he'd just been straight on him straight away. Because I would have pulled him in the next point and said, listen, if you want a way, you get him to talk to me and I'll help you go. Because that tells you whether Jesse comes from Manchester, comes from London, comes from whatever. Jesse has decided that he wants to go. And what happens is your agent is putting in your ear. Well, I've got a good, good little chat with David Moyes the other day. But he says that he can't do anything, but I can. Because but Gordon, would you would you have had him in your squad the next day, let alone play? No, can, no. Can I just no, no. Jesse Lingard, Jesse Lingard would have been told by me straight out. Jesse, go and put the West Ham shirt on because I tell you what, your your days are over. You know, if you can turn now. That's what I'm talking about, Wayne. That you don't understand about the players. I know the players. I know the mentality has never changed. From when I played before I played to today's game, if they go and I've had man, I've had players, and you talk about the money that they're on, and we talk about everything that they're on. I had a player that I got from Leeds United for Chester. I had to pay; I couldn't afford them, so I made a deal with Andy Ritchie that I would pay half their wages to get these players. So you can work out deals to get rid of these players. There are so many avenues to work out these players, even if they're on good money. So when, you, when Jesse comes back, and Jesse comes back, oh, yeah, I'm flying on all cylinders. He goes back in the England squad. So Gareth Southgate doesn't play him. Then all of a sudden decides he wants to play him. Jesse Lingard comes in and all of a sudden he's, he's smiling because he's back. Then all of a sudden he's out of, out of it again. I look at the bench and I look at their faces when they're not playing. And you can see they're just sitting there going through the motions, which they want to be playing. That's been put into, that's been put put there because there's a 24-man squad. 
I don't listen, Gordon. I don't disagree with the fact that that Jesse Lingard wants out, and I don't disagree with the fact that we should find a way to get him out. But Wayne, you wanted to say something there. What I disagree with is the fact that not only was he in the squad, but he actually came on. I mean, Gordon was getting, you know, Gordon was was voicing his opinion there. You 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 wanted to interrupt. I mean, what at the point he was no. talking about Lingard not being in the squad. I mean, what did no. you want to add to that? No, because Gordon made a point and he said that he wouldn't have been in the team like getting on your bike. And I just want to say that on over the 24 hours between the where he posted it on Instagram and where when the game happened, I must have spoken to half a dozen people connected with United in various capacities and they were all appalled. Um, and they, their message was exactly the same as Gordon's. Don't have him, he shouldn't play for this. You've got to have players, and I agree with people. You have to have players that want to play for the club first. The manager, they've obviously looked at. They've seen. Oh, I tell you, what, I, you know, I, I look at it. I say, oh, I'll tell you what, I could play for him. You know, I, I, I could play for Bobby Robson because what I did, I had firsthand, uh, uh, firsthand proof of that when I played for England with Bobby Robson on a tour. I knew that type of, and I looked at what Ipswich were playing, and that was a great. As well, so players look at that and say, and then you've got players coming back. They come back from from injury, and they're being put into the team, and they're expect and they're expected to save somebody's backside. Well, you can't save a manager's ass if all of a sudden you come back and say, "Well, you've got to do this for us, or you've got to score, or you've got to be." There, there's no consistency in team picking. There's no consistency in in play. And what happens is that the, the it becomes, a, 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 well, are you in the team? Well, I don't know. I could, well, I'm on the bench. What well, is another six? There's another eight players on the bench. It becomes- no, I, I definitely get all that. And I want to, I want to just answer Jason's question. If Jesse had a decent start to the season, come off the bench and scored in two games, would you not be upset if you don't get a chance? Yes, I would expect players to be upset. Gordon will tell you that players don't want to sit on the bench. They really don't. But... The point I'm trying to make is that there's there's ways of going about this and and putting up that picture when he That's knew all he was on so hey, much hey, stress. Hey, is hey, hey, you've just said a point. You said that that w- would be upset. Who would be upset? I mean, if you're a player and you're sitting on the bench, you've got to yeah. be upset, right? You're 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 upset. So what exact what does that tell you as a player? If I come up to you and say, Dave, I've started this player because of such and such, and um, I'll give you a crack, but at this moment in time, I'm not going to change this when inside and just shove you in there. But if I all of a sudden turn around and say, well, I pulled you off because you did this, 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 and this, you're going to go, whoa. And there's so many scenarios come out of you having a chat. I I think those chats have been too nicey-nicey. I think those chats haven't been to the point. You're not producing it. You can play better than that, and you're not doing your job. That's why such and such. That then what happens is then it starts to sort out your 11 that you can count on. And slowly you start to mould that 11 with other players coming in. But unfortunately, we don't know what the starting 11 has been. We, We have to wait till the last moment. And then we are at, we say, well, hold on a minute. Wow, hold on a sec. Are you playing tomorrow? Because this is me on a, a United. Well, I'm in the I'm in the starting eleven. I said, yeah. And I'd be do this. Yes. 
and I'd want to keep my place. And then you get now, it's like, well, okay, fine. Well, he's not doing it after 65 minutes. Let's change him. Let's change him. Let's change him. Let's change him. Once you start changing and the consistency goes, then the team starts to fall to pieces. And then you're looking around saying, I tell you what, he's not doing it. He's not doing it. And they have a go at each other. Secretly, and I can tell you this, boys, secretly you have a go at each other without it coming out in the open. Then the manager says, well, I tell you, we had a bad result. He has to go away. He has to come on a Monday. He has to look at that squad. But if there's no right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work on this for this week. And we're going to go out with a, this team. There's nothing. I can't see nothing. I, I look, how many times have we been sitting here and talking, even if it's private, when's he going to play? Why is he playing that player? Where's he playing that player? Why has he got him in the team? Why Gordon, is he... I, have a, I, I do have a question for you, though, for you. Yeah, um, you played in what, what I deem as probably the, the greatest eras to follow Manchester United, even though in the 90s, 2000, we won so much, the 70s and 80s, different players, different teams. How would you have handled, how would the dressing room, because you mentioned there that, that you know, players talk off to the side outside of the manager. How would you, or your teams that you played in, especially at Manchester United, have handled a situation in what, like, Jesse Lingard did yesterday? I know we didn't have social media back then, but if it had gone to the newspapers and said, hey, this, you know, here's me, take a picture of me in a, in a, in a different jersey, how, how would that have been handled in that dressing room? Because here's the problem, I think, today. We don't have any leaders in that dressing room. No. That's not would that have been handled in the, in the you know in in the in the seventies team that you played in at Manchester United? They would have been told, "You're excuse my French, you're fucking out of order, you're out of order," and the boys would not have put their trust in him. If you want to go, go, but don't do it with us. Don't take us down that road. You know, you want to go. We wish you the very best, and it did happen. If you remember rightly, Jerry Daly, fabulous player for Man United, done absolutely super. Everybody scratched their heads. But the, but but Tommy Doherty turned around and said, right, it's gone. So something between them two happened, but it didn't affect the way that we were as a team because, hey, we knew we had to go out and play regardless of who was with us. We knew we had to go out and perform no matter who was with us or against us. So what you do is you get that camaraderie to go out. There is no camaraderie in that team. They're all out for themselves. They're all playing. And they don't play because of the shirt. They play because they've got very good contracts. They get a very good living. And it's like, well, I've got a Man United shirt on. I'm a Man United player. What a load of bullshit. And Dude. that frustrates me. Yeah, no. Brilliant from Gordon. I one, one last thing before you jump in, Wayne. Um, Gordon, uh, just to follow on from that comment about the team, Harry Harry uh, Harry Maguire is getting an awful lot of slack for as being the, yes. the, the captain of Manchester United. Um, two questions. One, is he the right man? And if not, in that current squad, and you have to pick somebody because I know what you're going to say, in that current squad, who is the best equipped to be the captain of Manchester United? David De Gea. I've given it to him because you can't go no, you can't go no further back than him. <laughs> you can't. So David De Gea, 
has got to be the man that can see everything on that field. And he, he's the one that should be, have the voice because we had Martin Bucken. Now, the difference between Martin Bucken and Harry Maguire is Bucko knew what he could do and he'd done it extremely well, first class. Harry is now thinking that he's a world-class player. Unfortunately, he's not because his first touch and his ability to think that he can dribble out from defence, which we've seen, has put us in shit street too many times and other players are having to come and bail us out. And if you look at it, we've had the likes of Motosaka that comes in and at the last moment makes a diving tackle because of mistakes that have been made. I don't think, I think when we bought Harry Maguire, that expensive central defender, I didn't warrant the, the money that they paid for him, but he was the only thing available because Virgil van Dijk had gone to Liverpool. But there, there was nothing. And I've looked around and I've looked around for central def- uh, central uh, centre-halves to possibly could go in. Smalling's gone. You've got um, you've got Jones sitting on the sidelines that was a, com- a comedy at times with his with his with his football. That that the ability that they have in in mastering the ball is not there. So what Martin Buchan was was first class at being able to do everything so simple and time everything to perfection when he was tackling when he was talking, and he's not afraid. I I, I remember. I got a clip round the ear for not getting back, not because of anything else, but not picking up my man. Roy Keane's done it. Roy Keane's gone up to people and done that. There isn't that fire. There isn't that. It's all being nice, nice. Yesterday, we saw Bruno going up to the fans and saying, don't blame him, blame us. What? a! It's not a cheerleading session. You're out against the team that need the points. And you've given them four goals. Don't look at anybody else. And so when does that start? That starts Monday to Friday. Bobby Charlton said, made a great one. He said, your work is from Monday to Friday and your fun starts on Saturday when you can go out and play what you've done during the week. And we've seen it. But hold on a sec. I scratched my head to say, who are you going to go out with on Saturday? I've got Jesse Lingard wants to play, but you haven't played him. He wants to play, but you haven't played him. You played, I don't know, Fred, for argument's sake, or Matic. Matic. I'm going, hold on a minute. Is this for real? Am I watching this for real? Van der Beek sitting there. Van der Beek is jumping at the bit. Wants to play for Man United. People are saying, he should go, he should go, he should go. He wants to give it a go. He wants to get a game. He wants to play. There are players in that midfield that should be gone. Should be gone and not get a place. But are they going to get a place? They wouldn't with Ollie, because, because it was the old Powers Act. And it comes to that point you guys made earlier about, is, it, is he really in control? And I turn around and I say, no, he's not really in control. But the next person that comes in has got to be somebody like a Zidane, like a, 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 the Ajax manager that comes in and says, I'm in, you're going to do it my way. I am going for this. 
If you don't like it, this is the way the ship's going. The doc said exactly that. If you don't like it, knock on my door, he said, and I'll make it quite happily. I'll move you on. And he did it. And Ron Atkinson did it. And, and Alex Ferguson did it. Alex Ferguson was the nicest person in the world. So don't give it. Don't anybody say, oh, he was. But no, he wasn't. He was vicious. And he did it. He did it in, in the football way. And we've been used to it. We've been used to it. People say, don't argue with Fergie. He'll have you out. Yapstam, best centre-half I've seen. Gone. From Veron, gone. And he's had some really top players. But, yeah. hey, but, what is the, but who, was, who was the voice? Who made that decision? You had Gordon, I got a final question for you. Um, I, I think all the points that you're saying are, 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 are very valid. And we always love to get, you know, someone like yourself with, with your background onto that because you are right. We, we as supporters and fans, we think we know everything. We just don't know what's going on in the background. And, and your insight is always phenomenal. I do have a question, though, based off that. What's next for Manchester United? How do we move forward from this? They put themselves in such a roundabout that they don't know which one, which road to take. They, they've got themselves in a situation which should have been sorted out two or three weeks ago. Once they make it, once they look and see that the, that the ship is not going again, the ship is stall, stalling, they should have pulled the reins in and said, right, we've got to make a change. We've got to look. Now, just pulling somebody in for the sake of pulling something in, I don't agree with. Just yeah. as an instrument, these guys, are just, they, they, they baffle me. They really do. As I said earlier, you've got two of them sitting by the side of Mourinho. He's gone. You've got two of them sitting by Oli. He's gone. You've got two of them going to be sitting next to the new man unless the new man comes in. It's like all us former players that have been managers are in the game turn around and say one thing. When we go into a club, we have a clean sweep. You sweep the lot out. Why? Because now you can start with a fresh, a fresh floor. But what's going to happen here? Now they're going to bring somebody in. They're going to want more money. They're going to be. They're going to. They're, and they're in talks at this moment with Zidane, and they're in talks with trying to get him. He comes. In, I don't want you. I don't want you. Now all of a sudden, what's going to happen? Is he going to want Pogba? Is Pogba going to turn around and decide to play? Then all of a sudden you're going to get this. Well, he's kept Pogba in that. Well, he's. So now you've got to buy into the new manager's way of thinking. If he's thinking, and I, I would, first thing I'd go in, say the only thing I'm looking at is results. If you don't want to be on this boat, then I'll make way for you to get out. But I will certainly not stop. This ship is going back to the top again. May take a little bit of time. But supporters, United supporters and fans will always follow you if you play that type of football that you are trying and trying to achieve to get there. If you don't, they'll accept a loss if you put bangs. Wayne, Wayne, um, we all know what Manchester United need to do. We've heard it from a professional coach and a professional manager, a professional footballer of what we should or where we should be going. As as the as the fan on the on the terraces. We all know what needs to happen. So I'm going to kind of pivot a little bit with that question with you. What do you think will happen versus what, because Gordon has given us an insight of, of where we should go. Now reality, because we're dealing with a shit show here. We're dealing with a circus. You know, 
What's going to happen over the next three to six months, do you believe, at Manchester United? I have no confidence whatsoever. Whatsoever that what they know what they're doing or that they're going to get it right. I think they're going to get um, an interim appointment. Yeah, not that guy for a start. Yeah. He's already gone, Conte. Um, I would... Um, They'll go for an interim. Obviously, I think they'll probably get some. They'll allow this like procession of Fletcher and Carrick to to do the next game or two. I have no idea. Who, you know, it's such a random exercise at the moment. Who this? Um, who the interim person is going to be? But I think the exact same pattern is going to follow. That that person will come in. They'll have some good results. There'll be the temptation to go with them. The reason why they're doing it is obvious. I said it right at the start of this podcast, and, and it's been said a couple of times in these um, in these comments as well on the, on the podcast um, from from the people watching. They don't want to pay to get a manager out of the contracts. They don't want to pay pay money for the rest of the season. So they're not going to bring in a manager who is going to. It's exactly the same pattern as what happened with Ollie. They brought him in into an existing staff structure. Like we've already talked about McKenna and Carrick. He wasn't because he was an interim, he can't fire those people. He couldn't buy any players because he was an interim manager. So he's expected to steady the ship while the club looked for a replacement. Exactly the same thing is gonna happen now. And then maybe that manager will get a bit of a, a good win behind him, and then they'll be talking about um giving him some money. Yeah. Exactly. Or giving him the contracts, giving him yeah. the contract because he's there in on the cheap. And he'll have established relationships with the people around him, so they don't have to be any dramatic overalls um, in terms of squad or in terms of staff structure on the, the inside. That's what's going to happen because they don't have a long-term plan, Dave. They've already admitted that they don't have a long-term plan. So their long-term plan is going to be the short-term plan, whoever they get in in the short term. They might have an idea of, oh, we want to get Pochettino. The, uh, the horrendous thing that I can see happening I can definitely see it happening. Is something like Pochettino? They get in. I don't know. I'm. I'm not saying this is going to happen. So don't get have any nightmares, anyone. They get in Sam Allardyce as interim manager, right? Or they get in Johnny Manager comes in in two weeks. Johnny Manager is having a great time. He wins a couple of games. Uh, the players are um, putting a shift in. Everyone's saying good things. Johnny Manager. Gets, you know, he's got the. <laughs> there we go. Sam we actually had that comment earlier in the section. I was waiting for a moment to bring it up. Or Sam, you, you planned that, David. Hey, hey, Sam, you can't, um, you can't, you can't get hired, mate. You tell results before they've even happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the Johnny manager comes in. He's having a, a great time. The players are on a high. Um, they say, "All right, Johnny's going to stay until the end of the ma- uh, until the end of the season." So that's where he is. March comes around. Pochettino gets sacked from Paris, but they don't want to upset Johnny Manager. So Pochettino probably goes to Spurs, where they've sacked Conte, or they go somewhere else. Um, or whoever that manager is, they're going to miss the boat on who else you know they're looking at because they haven't accumulated. They haven't speculated to try and get that manager out of the um, of the contract that they're in. They should have spent this month looking at. Uh, at the, um, the 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 manager that they wanted to come in. How have they spent a month, a full month, 
and not come to a conclusion. If I see that, guys, let, I'll tell you what, I'll go in there and I'll bring in four of the of the top coaches at the top level and make it my team. I'd have confidence in you, Gordon. I I really top defender, top midfielder, and a top forward, and put them together as a team that we could go out and give to the players. And they knew where we were coming from because that is the only thing that's going to shake them up. Somebody that has done, been, got it. And I'm not, I'm not saying who, but I tell you what, know what it is to go out with that shirt on or with a football shirt on and be a professional footballer. Give them their views every day. Give them their views. The defender, best defender, okay. Whoever you get, where, but the best defender and the best midfielder. And he joins my coaching staff. And we sit there and we talk about all the players because players don't hide feelings about other players if they're not producing. They will never hide feelings. They will never say, well, you're a great player. No, you're shit. You've been playing like shit for the last two weeks and you ain't getting, you're not going to get. So now what you're doing is you're putting it together. I say, I'll tell you what, this kid's making a great result. And three of you sit there and say, I'll tell you what, he's a player that we could really use. Now you've got a whole bunch of experience and now what you do, and now what I would do, put that into training systems, put that into sessions. That's the plan. And then start working. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like Reese has just said here, like Robson, yep, Stan. Robson is an ambassador, so whether you could have him in as a coach anymore, no. Yep, Stan, yes. Roy Keane, yes. There'd be no legs left. Pardon? No one would have any legs left. Oh, maybe that's for the hey, best. listen, I tell you what, hey, Wayne, if I got results, I don't care because I wouldn't. I'm what not. are you looking at? You're looking for results and you're looking to challenge the top teams. You ain't going to challenge him with a bag of marshmallows. I ain't going to challenge anybody if I go in there with a softie. I've got to have players that are going to go out there. But looking at it, that is, that is your coaching system. That is looking at it. I ain't looking at your badges. I ain't looking at all, everything you've got. I'm looking at what you are as a person. So the management side of it has got to be constructed as much as the, the football, the team. You've got to construct a great management team to be a great team and keep searching for that. So then you've got players that are looking. You've got players that say, tell you what, this kid. And all, once all three or four of you sit down, you now talk about it. You now come to a conclusion. This is a kid that could do well for us. Jimmy Murphy was spot on with everything he looked at. And everybody says, tell you what, he made decisions. Get this kid before somebody else does. That's a decisive decision that's been made. But I tell you what, hey, at this moment in time, we don't know where they're going. We don't know where we are. We, we have not the faintest idea. We don't know who we're playing. So if we don't know... How do the players know? Gordon, would you, would you, you know, we've we've known each other a long time now. Would you have me part of your management team? I mean, no. I could, I could be the foodie in the canteen. No. no, I would tell you definitely to change the curtains. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> no, I, no, no. I tell you what, yeah, you could be my, you could. What, what could I, what could I give you, though? Be nice now, Gordon. Be nice. Hold on. Um, are you good with a broom? <laughs> I'm not too bad. I'll be a good sweeper. 
what you're a great sweeper, Dave. I've got the left, I've got the north stand and the strep for them. Do that, do that in a week, you know. But no, when you think about it, you know, I mean, we're, we're becoming lighthearted because of the situation, and I'm lighthearted about it, but it's the same story as I'm on the sidelines. If I step over that line, I ain't taking you. I'm not, I, there's no prisoners. I'm out there to do my business. I don't think that is happening at this moment in time. I don't think they realize that the business is on the field. What you do on the field, you get off the field. Mm. If, you, if you know what I mean with your sponsors and everything else and everything that they got today. If, I, you, know, if you didn't do it on the field, don't expect to get all this promotional stuff off the field. And All right, guys, I'm going to wrap it up now because, Gordon, I know you have a coaching session to get to, but I have one final question from Wayne from one of our um, one of our uh, listeners, and um, it's kind of like an – it's not to do with the show, but it's to do with Wayne himself. Um, side question for Wayne. Apologies, gentlemen. Uh, Wayne, do you have any new books coming out? Watch the Georgie doc, and you did a fantastic job on it. Uh, 100% agree with all that. Um Wayne, uh, any any major major announcements? But you know what are you working on right now? I can't. Um, there's a couple of things that are coming out that very soon actually that I can can't really talk about at the moment, but they'll be announced soon. Um, and FBI stuff. Can't no, talk it's not it. that. It's the the publisher announces it, so I can't do that. We have <laughs> we have ways and means about doing these things, Gordon. You remember? Um, I know. Um, I know. I'm renewing the Beano. <laughs> <laughs> The, um, <laughs> um, God, at least I'm having a book that United are bringing out. It's called Shoot. Yeah, well, <laughs> if only they would. Um, Thank you. Yeah, the, so, are you, is there anything you're working on right now that you've been talking about on social media that you can go into a little bit more about? Yeah, I can. Um, thanks, uh, first of all, for the co uh, compliment about the George Best film, obviously. Like, um, massive honor and privilege to do that and the book if you enjoy that if you are subscribing to bt sport by the way reese says um a film on tonight at half 12 um if you can put that on your record that's too good to go down and actually work with gordy on that um that's the film about united's relegation um if you if you if the turbulent times at united at the moment aren't enough for you then you can go back in time and oh, that, enjoy that that was great i yeah. I, I recommend the, the, it's too good to go down. I, yeah, I mean, really cool. fantastic. So, uh, I am. A, I am. I have my autobiography that Wayne has done. So, what Wayne is, what Wayne has worked on, and what Wayne has, Wayne spoke for me as me and not himself, which is a very big compliment to him because. Don't forget, I come from London, he comes from from Manchester. And sometimes when you get somebody talking about somebody, the words don't come down too well. But Wayne got everything spot on and spoke like me. And basically, you know, he'd done a fantastic job and put into, into that, you know, Merlin, great. The only thing I can't do is I can't give these managers my wand. <laughs> they ain't getting it. It's going. Uh, Harry Potter borrowed it. So <laughs> <I want> it <laughs> back. <laughs> the, the one thing. Um, let, let me have one. Oh, thank you, God. That's really, it obviously means a lot to me. That experience of working with you is um, still one of the highlights of my life. Funny. I it's it, funny. 
the um, the one thing I can talk about that I've been working on. Oh, two things. I mean, Duncan Edwards' biography, authorized by his family, uh, and that's going to be um, hopefully next year. Um, so really looking forward to that. I've talked to a lot of people. There's going to be so much information there that people don't know about him, and um, because it's Duncan Edwards, uh, like George, such a, a special, um, sensitive person in United's history. Um, it's been a real pleasure to work on that. So that's going to be out next year. But one of Gordon's favourite teammates, Sammy McElroy, I've been working with him for the past um, oh, yes. Yes. seven months yes. as well. And that book is coming out in, in March. The Last Busby Babe. Oh my God, what a story. I, I, from when I, I worked with Brian Greenoff and the first yeah. two people, well, the first three people I contacted to help me with to put things forward for, for Brian's book were Gordon, Tommy Doc and Sammy McElroy. And my ambition was to work with all three of them. And thankfully, Gordon was the first. Tommy was the next. No, um, wasn't, it, wasn't it Brian first? No, I'm saying, well, I'm saying after Brian. So oh, when I, I talked to Brian, I talked to you guys for, for like, the forwards and the... Um, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that, that certain when former United players like myself and Sammy and, and, and Brian... Um, we didn't have to go out to dinner every night and be the best friends to be able to perform on a field. Yeah. We went out there because of the love for what we wanted to do and with, and basically it followed that because I recommended, I rec Brian recommended me, I recommended other people that you've written books for, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you get to trust people. And I think, looking at it and everything settling down, I don't think there's any trust left. Yeah. And it's very hard to say that. It, the trust has gone out of the game. It's like when a chairman says, I, you know, you trust me, look for a job. Yeah. Look for a job because it doesn't exist. It does well, that is the poison chalice, isn't it? When it, when a when a board comes out nowadays and said we back the manager one hundred percent, you know that he has two weeks of a job left. You know yeah, that's, well, that's the biggest. I thing. mean, what, that's the famous doc line, wasn't it, with Jim Gregory for QPR? When Jim called him in, and he's sitting there with a cigar, and he said, "Doc, he says, I think I'm going to call it a day." And Doc says, "Why, Mister Chairman? I think you're doing a great job." No, he <laughs> says, "It's you. You're sacked." <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, so that is that is the, the, the football that you know. I mean, I, you don't know who to talk to and who to trust in today's football because it's just completely changed. Yeah. When we do tell the truth, people wonder if you are telling the truth. Gordon, I got. I want to end this. I want to end the show on a, on a happy note. Um, I got a. I got a question here from you. Final question from myself is that is is from Reese. Uh, if that's all right for Gordon, what is your favourite moment from playing for Manchester United? You always look back on with a smile or feel proud. Now, Gordon, you can't include me in this. Oh. That's being biased. Um, so, oh, any other any other great moment that you know will put a smile on people? Because you and I and Wayne, we talk offline, and some oh. of your stories we can't talk about on here. Oh, oh, but no. can, and you always have some phenomenal stories. Um, this is a great way to end end this podcast because it's been doom and gloom. And Gordon, you know, you're always good for a story. So whether it's a football moment, whether it's, you know, a moment from traveling with one of your teams, it, it, what, what can we end it with? It was a football story um, because when I was um, 
the the proudest moment I think was when I for, when I put the the number eleven on and it was a new kit in the FA Cup final and it didn't matter which one it was but it was the first one and United for me the greatest moments was United coming into the second division when I was at Millwall to me to them winning that second division and being absolutely phenomenal. To me, joining them was the proudest moment that I, I didn't realise I was joining because Tottenham and Arsenal were in for me and I thought I'd be staying in London. And I tell you what, I'd never been further than the Watford Gap because I thought it was funny land. So basically what I looked at was, was, was I think that game, when I put that number 11 shirt on, they come back. They were back at top. They were challenging. And we were at Southampton. And it wasn't the game. It was the moment I walked out of the tunnel at Wembley. And there was 100,000 people. And they were banners and, and everything. And it was, it was, I could, the hairs rose up. It was the thrill. It was the, the, the old Wembley. The, it was, yeah, it was the Wembley. It, it will never be old. It will always be the same. And the Wembley was in front of us. And you're going out there and you're, you're saying to yourself, I'm going to play in this. I, they're here to watch me play, you know. And then you're looking up, trying to find where your family are. And then you've got, then you, then, then you meet the dignitaries that, you know, that can't see why they put a carpet out there because the grass was that good. They could have walked on that. But it was fantastic. It was just absolutely, I mean, and then after the game, I put my arm around Brian because he was in tears because we wanted it so much. And I think that really told us. And then going back into the changing rooms, that evening we went for our party because it was it. But we knew that Samat was there, everybody was there, and we were sitting there. And we're, we said, listen, whatever the situation is, we're going to come back again. And I think that was it when Jerry sang when uh, the Irish song, Though I Was a Boxer with a Fighter. But that's, he sang that. I did my Norman Wisdom. Uh, we had a laugh. We got back on the train and we come back north. When we won it, it was the biggest, loveliest experience coming back to Manchester yeah. To give them something that they hadn't seen for uh, from '68, '63, the FA Cup. Yeah, and it was just something that was. And if you look at that from then on, United have always been in the trophies, and I think that is the most fantastic moment. And I, I can't say to this boys, but I even asked the Queen, "Why are you wearing your glove?" because <laughs> they shake your hands and I think that was the yep. first time and the only time she went to the FA Cup final I maybe she got riffraff asking the questions and then all of a sudden like you know and I'm going whoa and then the saddest moment was my dad watched me at Southampton but the following year he said I'm not coming when we beat Liverpool he said I'm not coming because I'm a bad I'm bad luck and he sat at home in his cardigan and watched us pick up the FA Cup. And I went back home and I said, Here, Dad, and I showed him, and he went, Oh, is that what we was playing for, that thing? And I went, Thanks, Dad. 
So <laughs> put the kettle on. Put the kettle on and make another cup of tea. And, and that's the, the, the honest truth. It was that's the proudest moment, and obviously putting us into it, Derby the semi-final. Yeah. I mean, Gordon, I, was, um, I, was lucky, I was lucky, Dave, to score. The, the other one I want you to just tell tell people that are listening in on uh, real quickly is that. We, we talk about nowadays, and it's come up in the comments there about, you know, the vast amount of money that players are on, and that's one of the reasons they don't really show any care. You told me the story about when, when you signed for Manchester United. You went, you, you know, you got off the train, you were brought there, you went up into the office, you had your discussion about signing, and then you came back downstairs, and then something came into your head, and you had to go back upstairs. Tell, can you tell that story? Well, as you was talking about that, I was reliving that getting off the train boots underneath my arm boots underneath my arm right and my x-rays and gordon clayton great gordon clayton picked me up in the docks mercedes and takes me to this to the united stadium you know old trafford with these massive great oak doors yeah. and inside was marble all the way up and then and going in so i go in there and he says uh uh, and I get in the door, and there's Louis Edwards on the on the right. There's Jimmy uh, TD in the middle. And there was uh, Tommy Cavana. There was um, Frank Blundstone and Jimmy Murphy. So there was, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just a 18, 19 year old kid from London sitting there. And I always remember I kept me boots, and I put me boots down, and they went uh, right, son. So I went. Okay, and they talked and talked, and they said, "We've been looking. You're the final piece of the jigsaw. We're looking for you, and everything else." And 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 behind, I can see these fantastic photos of the legends and the players, and and I'm going, and I'm underneath my breath, you know, in my I'm going, "Holy shit!" And I, I'm going to wear one of them shirts, and I'm really deep in it. And I'm and they said, "Well, what you're doing is you're going to stay tonight because we're playing Man City, and um, we want you to come with us." And uh, and I went. And he said, we'll put you up in the Piccadilly Hotel and, you know, don't worry about a thing. So I said, well, I tell you what, I, do you mind if I phone my wife to tell me? So I phoned my wife and told her. And uh, and I and I went, oh, fantastic. They went, well, here's the contract, son. I went, oh, boom. okay. And he said, and what, he said, now you're a Man United player. And I shook his hand and, and Louis Edwards went, uh, right. And he... I knew he knew. He thought I was a, a, a cocky cockney, but I wasn't. I just knew what he was. They told me what he was and everything else, and I went, "Oh." So I went, "Okay." And then Jimmy Murphy went, "Son," he said, "You're gonna be great for us." And then Samat was there, and Samat said, "said said it's an absolute pleasure." He said, "We've watched you play," and I thought, "Okay." Frank Blundstone, a great left winger. For, and then he went at Chelsea and he went, mm. he said, you're just what we're looking for. And then Tommy Cavana, as he normally does, trade for the, you know, and I went, oh, great, Cat. And I went, oh, great. And I went, who's that? And then it's Tommy Cavana. And I went, oh. So then I got up and I went, thank you very much. He said, Gordon, I'll take you to the hotel, pick you up about 4.30. We're off to Main Road. Okay. Great. Go outside. And I, I said, Gordon, I said, I've forgot something. Oh, right. Back up the old stairs, the old door with the manager on the outside of it, knocking on the door. I said, um, walked out and I said, and of course they're sitting there, cigars are out, 
champagne's been drop popped, and I'm going, I'm going, what, what, somebody won something. They went and Tommy Doc turned around and they were sitting there and they were going, yeah, yeah, that's great. What, what, great. And all of a sudden, I said, excuse me. I said, sorry to interrupt you. I said, I want to ask you a question. And he said, what's that? I said, can you tell me how much I'm going to earn? Doc <laughs> 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 and he just said, don't worry, son. We'll look after you. <laughs> so through that whole through that whole thing that your 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 thought wasn't on on what am I going to get paid? It's it's I'm going to play for this great club. And I remember the time you told me that story. I must have laughed at twenty minutes because so in today's world, that's the first and foremost thing that agents talk about. Well, he's interested, but it all depends on which the money and where did you were and players of your era were. Well, I, I just want to play. But the fact that you actually left the room, went downstairs, about to get into the car to go. Holy shit! I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to be earning here. Let me go back up and ask that question. That's it. I didn't even. I, I never had an agent. I mean, I was on me Jack Jones. I was on me Lonesome, and 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 I and you know, and you go in there and yeah, you know, I left. Don't forget, I'd left Millwall the night before a, a semi-pro game, I think, at Enfield, where the field was slopey, getting ready for the FA Cup second, third round in a muddy field. And the manager saying, listen, we've, we've got to bring you off. He, so I go off at half-time and Gordon Jago says, um, he says, I'm not putting you on the second half. I said, why is that? He said, uh, we've uh, had a bid from Manchester United for you. And... <laughs> The bank have told us to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, all right. I said, well, and I talked to him around, and he went, you're going to Manchester United. I'll get the boots. And he said, uh, he said, you okay with that? And I went, uh, yeah. yeah. Where? Yeah, man, you, are you for real? I thought it was like something like Telford United or something like that. Man United? They come, he said, yeah, they've been watching you and everything else. And I went, okay, because I'd heard through the grapevine that I'd been, Arsenal had been watching and and, and Tottenham had been watching, you know. But it, it, I went up there and it was like, you know, it wasn't the happiest London. It was just, it was a different world when, yeah. when you go into Old Trafford, even now with all the new business and everything else. I don't look at the fields. At the stands, I know they're there. I look at the grass. When I sit there, I see all the ghosts of the players before that have played there, and the great memories and everything else. And then I get up and I'm I, that's it. I'm happy, and I I do that even now when I go back each summer. I go there. Gordon, if they if they had brought you downstairs and brought you onto the pitch and asked you to play the piano like you did with Sanchez, would would you have done that? Um. Yeah, but I've needed a lot of keys. <laughs> but, With you know, that, Gordon, I want to thank you very much for coming on. Um, as good. always, your insight is is truly amazing. We're privileged to have you as a, as a friend of the show. Um, Wayne, you know, I, I, I know this isn't your most favourite thing to do at times, um, but I'm, I'm really happy that you came on. In regard to coming on and talking, not negative about Manchester United, but just, you know, we always want to talk happily about Manchester United. So I appreciate you coming on. I know it takes a lot out of you in regard to 
you know, the things that are going on with Manchester United. Look at this with, with most of us supporters. Guys, if, you, if you're not subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, Talk of the Devils. Um, we're, we're on all audio uh, platforms. We appreciate everyone that comes on and asks questions. You know, we, we do this for the love of Manchester United. That's all we do it for. Gordon does it for the love of Manchester United. He does it for the love of football. He's always a great guy to have on the show. So, Gordon, again, we appreciate it. Wayne, um, big kudos for coming on, as I said. And, you know, we wish you all the best in, in your upcoming book with uh, Sammy, Sammy McElroy. Yep, sorry, Gordon. So can I just say something? For all the supporters and fans of Man United, and you guys are have got the biggest hearts for the club, I just want to let you know that things will get better. It's just patience has got to be a virtue at this moment. Mm. And I think you guys show it. All the supporters show it. Whether your opinion's good or bad, it doesn't matter. It shows me as a former player that you care about a club that you love. And I think that with with what you've done and, and what is be, trying to be achieved is phenomenal. It's a big, big mountain to climb. Yeah. But I think that if you carry on, carry on climbing it and carrying on doing your shows and doing things to let people, then I think that basically you will, you will, you will live through it and you will see better days. And I just wish you every success in what you're doing and Wayne your books will be great mate I mean you know you'll always be you'll always be my number one and you're not sitting in the front of the car on my journey from Cleveland to Florida okay? just remember that you guys are great okay you take care Gordon, as always, thank you very much. Wayne, as always, thank you very much. Guys, everyone that tuned in, like I said, you know, ask questions. We we were truly humbled by this and we really appreciate it. Um, you know, we, we have numerous other podcasts that, that we do throughout the week. Wayne does one with, with former Manchester United player Paul Parker on a Monday. We've got Keen who does it with um with, with Lee uh, Lawrence and um Phil Marsh every Friday evening. So please tune into those as well, subscribe. Uh, we are actually the, the only you know podcast out there that is solely based around former Manchester United players. Um, so you know we 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 are pretty unique in that, and we like to get their perspective because it, it it's easy for me and Wayne to come on here and 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 talk from a fan's perspective. But we 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 truly appreciate the former players coming on because. They do see it differently. They really do see it from, and they educate us every time they come on. There's always something in there that that educates us in regard to, because we're attached to the club emotionally. We really are, as Gordon pointed out. There, we we let the emotions get it. Professional footballers see the game emotionally as well, but they also see it a little bit differently because they've worked within the club. And we all feel we all feel that we know how a club works, but having players like Gordon and Scott on and Phil and Lee and Paul Parker. At, at times, it brings us back down to earth a little bit to say, okay, you know, take the emotion out of it. This is what really goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, Gordon with his story there about how to sign his contract and all, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that just doesn't happen nowadays, and we kind of miss that. Um, but, you know, 
it, it's a religion to us. We'll, we'll support our club through bad times, through good times. Gordon is right. These things are a cycle. They come around. You know, as much as I hate mentioning the, you know, their neighbours from down the road, you know, they were, they were the best team in the 80s, Liverpool, and, and then they went through that period of, of not being great. We can't deny that at this moment in time they're one of the better teams in the league. It's a cycle. With Manchester United, it's going to be a cycle as well. So, again, guys, I appreciate everything. Thank you very much. And uh, like I said, subscribe, tune into the other podcast. We really appreciate it. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.